Hello, and welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. I'm Mark Betancourt. A diagnosis of HIV positive used to be a death sentence. But with the development of antiretroviral drugs, many HIV patients are surviving, even living out their natural lives. This victory against the virus is the result of billions of dollars of investment from both governments and donors, much of it to pay for treatment in sub-Saharan Africa, which is home to 70% of the world's infected. But as HIV mortality wanes, another problem has come to the fore, how to pay for the ongoing treatment of millions with the virus. The African countries with the highest prevalence of HIV infection could end up spending anywhere from 6 to 80% of their GDP on treatment. Those numbers come from a new paper outlining the fiscal liability that comes with HIV treatment. It encourages governments and donors to collaborate and to focus on prevention in order to lessen the financial burden. Sir Paul Collier of Oxford's Blavatnik School of Government is one of the paper's authors, and I began our discussion by asking him who is ultimately responsible for footing the bill for antiretroviral drug treatment. To date, it's been uh, an international consortium of donors Um, a very ad hoc, siloed pot of money. There was an emergency situation. Let's um, get some money to pay for antiretroviral treatments for people who are about to die. That was very sensible crisis response. But the reality is that once people are put on treatment, uh, it's almost inconceivable to take them off treatment. Whoever takes them off treatment is saying you're going to die because I'm not prepared to pay for it. So in a sense, um, African governments, and this basically applies in Africa, once people are put on antiretroviral treatment, that locks African governments in to keeping them on treatment. And it's that lock-in which creates the future liability. And I understand that for, for some of these countries, it's actually a substantial portion of their GDP even needs to be spent on, on treatment. Yeah, I mean, because... It's a future liability that can't be ducked. Um, in a way, it's um, you know it's even harder than than a debt. You can renege on debts, but you can't renege on people on antiretroviral treatment without condemning them to death. So we've calculated that for a few countries. How big is it? Um, if we look at uh, Malawi, which is the the worst affected we found. Um, the, the future cost of treatment is equal to a debt burden of 80% of GDP. Now, the actual financial debt burden of Malawi is only about 30% of GDP. And that takes the true indebtedness of Malawi to 110% of GDP, and that pushes it over the threshold of debt sustainability. So, so what happens in that case? I guess whose responsibility is it to step in and, and balance that? The international community has really been there, done that. Um, that's why it provided debt relief, because it recognized that unsustainable debt burdens, um, first of all, had to be met by the international community. And it was sensible to face them up front, because a big debt burden was a handicap to economic growth. And so it's better to come to arrangements which um, land that unsustainable debt very firmly with the international community. 
What about the, the importance of, of national governments? Obviously, they're going to have to do a substantial amount of coordination with international organizations uh, in terms of getting the funding there, but then actually uh, implementing the treatment itself. That's right. To date, the coordination has been between a Ministry of Health and the international community. In the future, the key coordination is going to be between Ministries of Finance and donors. Ministries of Finance will, uh, as they do already, finance Ministries of Health. But now the, um, the Ministry of Health, for example, takes the decision, um, do we focus on treatment or do we focus on prevention, just on medical criteria. Um, whereas Ministries of Finance need to nudge Ministries of Health to say it's important that from a cost-effectiveness point of view, um, you scale up prevention. So actually on, on that note of prevention, the World Health Organization uh, has been promoting treatment as the sort of primary way of addressing prevention because people who are taking antiretroviral drugs are are less infectious, uh, but that sounds like um, that's not going to be necessarily enough to, to address the level of prevention that needs to happen. Antiretroviral treatment um, does act as prevention, but it's a pretty expensive way of achieving it. There are other more cost-effective ways of reducing um, infection, which ministries of health need to be promoting. And indeed, the big emphasis upon treatment has meant that there's been the budgets for research and experimentation in prevention have been minimal. That has shifted it from a medical emergency to a financial emergency. Each person who now gets infected with HIV adds to that future debt burden. And so it's sensible for budgets to shift towards prevention and not just focus on treatment. A dollar of prevention is good news whilst ever it prevents a dollar of liability. And we're not there yet. That was Sir Paul Collier, economist and professor at Oxford's Blavatnik School of Government, discussing how preventing new infections of HIV may be the only way to avoid unsustainable levels of debt for many African countries. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can hear more like this at www.soundcloud.com forward slash IMF dash podcasts.